the start of the 2017 MLS season is now just hours away, but there's still enough time to break down the Western Conference and to give you the SBI show's award picks for the upcoming season. This is the SBI show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep. And yes, in case you missed it in the last episode, we are back. I am back. The show is back. A five-month hiatus is over. It's time to get going. The MLS season is ready to kick off, and I'm ready to get going and give you guys, ladies and gentlemen, the rundown on the upcoming season, uh, breakdown of all 22 teams. If you missed the, 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 the previous episode, I broke down the Eastern Conference for you. Now, in this episode, I'll be breaking down the Western, breaking down the Western Conference for you, along with my friend, Paul Tenorio of 442. He's joining us here for the Western Conference preview, and he will join me also as we give our predictions for the upcoming season and the awards and our picks for MLS Cup. So you can go back, come back in December, listen to these episodes and make fun of us for being completely way off on our picks. But that's fine. You know, I'm not afraid to go out on a limb. I'm not afraid to be wrong. Uh, You know, some people like to hedge. Some people don't like to give predictions or make their picks. But I I don't mind. I'm going to put it out there for you. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. But you know what? I'm feeling pretty good about my picks. So feel free to listen. And hopefully I had good things to say about your team so you don't hate me and don't accuse me of hating your team. I can tell you right now, I don't hate your team. Whoever you are listening right now, I do not hate your team. Okay, maybe your team. You who's listening. But no one else. It's only your team. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, I'm looking uh, looking forward for, to the upcoming weekend. It's it's, it's going to be a great 11 games and 11 games. There's 22 teams. It's a 22 team league. Can't even can't even like I'm still wrapping my head around it. I mean, it's been a crazy month the last few weeks getting everything ready for season preview material for Goal.com and also working with the the guys at SBI Soccer dot com to get all the preview stuff together and, and I, I gotta say it's it, it's crazy to think back to when the team the league was a 10 team league this is actually my 19th season covering mls and uh i remember the days of the 10 team league and uh it was definitely a lot easier to cover it back then i can tell you i still remain I, I still remember putting together the little four page section for my newspaper uh to preview the season now you now you're talking 22 teams. You need like a full magazine uh, to really uh, get do do it justice and give a proper preview. Uh, but along with the, co- the 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 coverage that has been on Goal.com and SBI Soccer, you definitely want to listen to these two episodes previewing the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. And hopefully you learn something. Uh, hopefully we'll give you a little insight on things. And we can't do our MLS preview. In our predictions, without my main man Paul Tenorio, he's back. He's back to hopefully do better than he did last year with his predictions. How you doing, my man? Despite photographic evidence uh, to the contrary, I'm doing all right, man. I'm happy. I'm good. Yes, we want everyone to know that Paul is okay. He 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 isn't sad, even though that picture that was on Twitter uh, last night kind of made it look like he was sad or, or you know so, like his dog died or something. But he's okay. He's good. It's just not, they wouldn't let me drink more than one beer on TV. That was the thing. <laughs> is that what it was? Is that what it was? It was a one beer. That those were just props. That's what it was. You when you realized that that wasn't real beer, then, then you got really sad. That's what it was. Yeah. Nice. Well, we're we're gonna talk about Western Conference. We uh, we already covered. I I already covered the Eastern Conference pre- prior to this. Um, but I know you want to show off your your Western Conference prowess because you like me are like considered an East Coast guy. 
and people just think we only care about and know about the Eastern Conference. That's not true. We know about the Western Conference as well. We got some West Coast love. Sorry about that. Yeah, man. We yeah, we, we we you have to. I mean, even though it's twenty two teams is a lot of teams. I just want to point that out because it's crazy. But you know what? It makes it fun. It makes it fun trying to keep track of everybody, trying to know about each team. Uh, and, and you know what, Paul does a really good job with that. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to keep up with him cause he's a young guy, so he can handle it. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to do the rundown. Paul and I have discussed our rankings for the Western conference and we've put them together and come up with an order. Uh, so we're going to start from bottom to top, uh, all 11 teams in the West. And we're going to start with number 11, the team that was the consensus 11th place team between the two of us, the San Jose earthquakes. And I know people in San Jose are not going to be happy to hear about their team, being picked dead last in the West. But, Paul, why do you think they're doomed to be the last place team in the West? I think they, you know, they've added some nice pieces, but I just think that they still have a lot more left to do. I just, I don't feel confident in what the core of this team is. Um, there's nobody that stands out to me as, as kind of a killer in this team that you're really worried about defending. Obviously, Wando scores a ton of goals, but... You know he's getting to you know closer to the end of his career than than he was to the the prime of his career. I think is an argument you can make. And and when I look at this team, I just think you know there's more work to do. And and you know they're starting that process. I thought that they added some really nice pieces. They used targeted allocation money, but um, you know I think they're kind of in year one of a build. And and you know I've talked about this all the time. I think it takes three years to get that build somewhere where you're competing for a playoff spot and. And, you know, for me, they're just they're just too far behind right now. Well, for me, I just think I think San Jose. They're, they're, I didn't have them in dead last, but I had them near the bottom. And I just think they're a team that, while they'll be tough to play against, I just don't know how many. I just don't see them winning. I see them losing a lot of close games, being in a lot of games, but I, they're just missing that, like you said, that kind of difference maker. Uh, look, Wondolowski scores his goals, no question. But they, you know, when you look at a lot of the teams in this league. I mean, they have, you know, higher end impact type players. And I think they're lacking a bit, especially in midfield. Um, and look, pressure's on Dom Kinnear. Uh, I think I think we all know that if he has if he doesn't have a good year, I think he's out the door. They've obviously hired a new general manager there, and he's going to want to bring in his own guy. Um, as good a coach as Dom Kinnear has shown to be through his career, uh, this is just a tough one. This is a tough one, and it's hard to see them, uh, you know, get, getting, getting out of the basement in the West. Uh, moving on to number 10. Uh, a team you fancy quite a bit, a team that I, I actually think is better than a lot of people would give them credit for, Minnesota United, your boy Adrian Heath in charge. Now, I got to say, they've done, the, the, their roster build in the last month has been pretty impressive. I mean, I, I equate it to how I am when it comes to packing for a long trip. I always wait till like an hour, before, like two hours before my flight. Uh, you know, to start actually packing, and that's kind of how Minnesota built their team. But they've done a pretty good job. Why do you like this Minnesota team? Well, I mean, first of all, liking Minnesota means having them nine instead of eleven, which where everyone has them. And I, and I think it it, it goes to what you're saying about this uh, this building process. They waited to the last minute. They really did, and I think it put them behind in a lot of ways. And I think you're going to see the expansion woes of a team getting to know each other exacerbated early in the year for Minnesota because of how long they left it. But when you look at the pieces they added, the guys who aren't from MLS have a ton of pro experience. Um, these, this is a team that's a lot older than what Adrian Heath had in Orlando. Uh, when you're talking about uh, Vadim Demidoff, you're talking about Rasmus Schuller, 
Um, these are guys that have played a lot of games. Jerome Thiessen. I mean, they were over in Scandinavia, and they were playing a ton. And, and then I even like the MLS pieces that they added. Um, I'm a big fan of Johan Venegas. I know I got the Costa Rican bias, but I think he was underutilized in Montreal. And he'll be kind of in a in a... I don't want to say a star role, but certainly I think he's going to start as the center forward in this system. And he's got Kevin Molino next to him, who I think is capable of doing even more than what he did in Orlando last year. So I think there are some good pieces in place. My big issue with Minnesota is a big one in MLS depth. If they start to see guys get injured and they signed a bunch of guys with injury histories, they don't have the reinforcements to come in and plug those holes that are going to win games for you. And I think that ultimately is going to be their downfall. Right. I mean, they're pretty thin. There's no doubt about it in terms of top to bottom. Uh, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I really like the base that they, that they put together in terms of their center backs. Uh, you didn't even talk. You didn't, I'm surprised you didn't even talk about Calvo, who I think is going to be. I think he was a great signing for them. Um, but I still I mean, I have my doubts about him. And I have actually have questions about their attack. And I know everyone's kind of looking at that attack and say, oh, this could be a great attack. You get the pieces come together. Uh, and it could be. But I, I think, you know, obviously people in Minnesota love them, Sami Barra and Ramirez, right? The dynamic duo. They were great in NASL. But it's not a given that those guys are going to dominate in MLS. And they're, they're going to be, you know, higher-end, all-star caliber type players in MLS. I mean, there is a difference between NASL and MLS, and look, I know Ibarra played in Mexico, um, but he didn't really like settle in and become a regular starter down in Mexico. So it's a, let's not act like the guy went down there and killed it in Mexico. So there's still some questions. Those guys need to prove that they're worth the money that they're getting paid, and that they're more than just kind of you know the, the those kind of local favorites, right? And Molino needs to show that he's as good as we keep here. We've kept hearing that he can be. If those if all those things pan out, then yeah, I could see them surprising and moving up. But I still have my doubts about those guys. Uh, moving on now to number nine, a team that had a major overhaul, changed a new coach, totally overhauled their roster. Uh, Houston Dynamo, uh, a team that uh, obviously a, a real Latin flavor to it now. Wilma Cabrera in charge, and he he definitely went down to, to Central America and, and brought uh, quite a few players. Totally different look to this team. Um, but I, I just don't know what to make of it. I just don't know what to make of this mix. And I think, I think for me, it's going to take a year for them to put the, to, for the, them to get this to work. I don't see it happening right off the bat. What do you see happening with the Dynamo? I'm on the same page as you. I just think when you have an overhaul in the style of play, the personnel that needs to fit that, to get an understanding of how all of these pieces are going to fit together under Wilmer Cabrera, that takes time. And I think it's going to take a year of, I don't want to use the term experimentation, but it almost comes to that level of trying different combinations of players together, what formation fits them best, uh, trying to figure out how the defensive balance goes along with the players that they brought in on the, the attacking end. I, I am encouraged by the vision that they're showing with Cabrera, bringing in Latin American talent, uh, looking to tap into a, a city in Houston that has a huge contingent of soccer fans. I like the direction. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, one thing I will say, I mean, obviously we know he's a protege of, of, of uh, Oscar Pereja, and and I'm sure part of the motivation for Houston for hiring him is thinking, okay, maybe he can be our Oscar Pereja. I just don't think he – I mean, I don't think he is Pereja, and I have my doubts about him as a coach, serious questions about him as a coach. Uh, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he is going to have success as a head coach and MLS, and and if he if he does struggle, 
Uh, I don't know how, you know, it, it, it's not like it used to be where you could just have a couple of bad years. I wonder how, if, if it's a bad year and, thing, and things don't just come together, uh, I could definitely see these being kind of a short, a short marriage down in Houston. Moving on now, uh, a team that we kind of differ on a little bit, Vancouver Whitecaps, a team that's been busy this offseason making some big moves, obviously, adding Breck Shea and Freddie Montero uh, recently. Uh, you know, those, two, two big moves right there. They're in CONCACAF Champions League. Carl Robinson has some pieces to play with. They obviously have some talent there, good attacking talent, great goalkeeper. Why do you see this team taking that step, that next step? Yeah, I have him in the playoffs as the sixth seed. Um, everyone else, I think, has him outside, and I get that. There are still questions, especially on the defensive end for them. But, you know, this is a league where you've shown if you can outscore guys and, and you can press high and win the ball on the opposing side of the field and score goals that way, uh, then you can be competitive. I mean, it's the kind of Patrick Vieira style with NYCFC is we're going to outscore you. We don't need to be great defensively. And when I look at their final third, um, you know, they have like, what, like seven or eight wingers on the roster. You know, I really like what they're putting together with Montero now there to finish things. You've got Kakuta Mane, you've got Alfonso Davies. Now you bring Breck Shea into the mold, Teixeira's there as well, Bolaños. Um, a lot of pieces and they can move guys around. If you have an injury, there are players who can step up into those roles. Um, I, I just think they're going to be very, very dynamic and tough to deal with. Uh, and then I don't think they're not great defensively, but... I think they're athletic enough to get by, and they've got a very good goalkeeper that can keep you in games. And so when I look at all those pieces together, I just think every year in MLS there's a team that surprises you. And when I was looking through the West and I was looking at the teams uh, who have kind of added certain pieces, this one stood out to me. And I thought the performance on the road in the Champions League, 1-1 draw in New York, it really stood out to me. And, and I think Vancouver's got, got enough to, uh, to sneak in this year. I, I can see it. I mean, for me, I think the key. I mean, obviously, it's great getting Montero. That that's a big one for what they needed. Um, but for me, I, two guys who I need to see, or two guys who they need to have better years this year than they had last year, were Kendall Waston and Matias Laba. Two years ago, Matias Laba was one of the best midfielders in the league, and I think I think he took a step back last year. Obviously, we all know what Pedro Morales kind of fell off the map last year, but. I think that overshadowed the fact that I think Laba, his game wasn't at the same level last year as it was two years ago. And I think the same went for Kendall Waston as well. I mean, I think Kendall Waston, I feel like he had, he, he was inconsistent last year. I, we know he had, uh, what did he have, three red cards last year. He had some just real shockers in terms of red cards and just mistakes. And he just, he his consistency, it surprised me because I really thought he was going to put it all together last year and be a defender of the year type candidate. And he, it, he didn't play that way. So if, if, if he doesn't get back to that, then I think Vancouver's going to... If him and Laba don't get back to that, to that best 11 caliber that we know they can play, if they don't get back to that, Vancouver's going to have a long year. But if they get back to those levels, then I could definitely see you know your vision happening of them getting into the playoffs. Next up on the list, in the Western Conference, a team with a good nucleus of young talent, uh, but there's still some question marks of... Is it a state? Of, is it a team that's heading towards a youth movement, or is it a team that can still compete now? Real Salt Lake, Jeff Casar's team, obviously look to get younger this offseason. They uh, they let go some some older players, and 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 Javier Morales and Hamas Malavi retired. Uh, they have they obviously have that pipeline of talent coming through from the academy. What do you see from this RSL team in 2017? Yeah, I mean, I 
obviously there's a youth movement there and and that can go either way right if these young players younger players step up into the roles and, and play well then you can be a competitive team looking for the playoffs if they don't uh then it could be something that falls apart for me one of the big things for them you, you, we've seen in preseason when kyle beckerman hasn't been playing they don't have someone right now that can step into that role and kind of keep things organized defensively and on the ball um, and so if he is, if he drops off and, and isn't able to play a lot and, or, or is struggling uh, to play to the level we've seen for so long, I think they're really going to struggle. And obviously, uh, Rusnak as well, we need to see, can he be a playmaker in this league? I, I'm not sold on them yet. There's just too many question marks on some of these younger guys and how they're going to fit in. And, and so I see them kind of being a tweener team where they're kind of sitting on that fence and it's going to fall one way or it's going to fall the other um, but ultimately, I think it's just going to fall short of the playoffs. Right. I mean, I think they're a team that that at times they'll be fun to watch. At times, some of these younger guys are gonna are gonna look really good. I mean, a player like Jordan Allen, I think he's due for a breakout. Justin Glad, I think anyone who's watched the U twenties uh, in these last couple games for them see see the qualities that he brings. But uh, when you talk about a Kyle Beckerman, I mean, I think I thought Kyle Beckerman took a step back last year. Now we don't know if he was a hundred percent or not. Uh, I mean, at this point in his career, at his age, I mean, can he get, can he still play at that really high level? Um, and like that, that, that for me is kind of a question as well. Um, I don't know. Something's missing there for me in that team. Something de- defensively, I'm not 100% sold on them defensively. Uh, and their attack is obviously last year I thought was really inconsistent. So I think I don't know if they've necessarily addressed those things. I agree with you. Russ, obviously, Russ Nack's a big question uh, because if he's if he's a star, if he's someone who can really move their attack, then that that's obviously a big difference for them. But uh, jury's still out on that, I think. But I tell you what, they have a lot of young talent there. Guys like Jordan Allen, Glad, Brooks Lennon, Danny Acosta. I mean, look, if anything happens to Kyle Beckerman, I think Danny Acosta can get his chance to play in central midfield and i think he's a future he's he's you know potential future all-star down the road really talented player playing left back for the u20s but he's a defensive midfielder for those of you not familiar with him uh moving on to a team that I, uh, paul is down on paul's uh, has him coming back down to earth i still think they're a pretty good team colorado rapids number two in the west last year but you're you you see the, the you see the balloon bursting on on Colorado and the Rapids, what what's going on, man? Why why are you down on the Rapids this year? They had a historic defensive performance last season that had them win a number of close games, and I just don't see them keeping up with those numbers. I don't think that they can sustain that tremendous of a defensive performance over thirty four game season. I just it, it doesn't compute for me. And and they they looked at it and they said, you know what, we're good. We don't really need to add a lot to this team. You know, that to me is always a red flag, too. And the thing that kind of taught me to look for that red flag is being on this show last year, previewing this show and talking about Columbus, which was coming off of an MLS Cup appearance, a loss in MLS Cup, obviously. And and Greg Berhalter didn't change anything from the team, didn't really add any more competition in. And at the end of last year, I asked Greg what he regretted. And that was a big regret for him. He felt like he just counted on everyone having a career year the way that they had in 2015. And he didn't add enough competition into the team. And it ended up being the downfall because guys fell off. And and I look at Colorado the same way. I think that they needed to go add some more dynamic pieces to be better in the final third than they were last season. 
because those averages are going to come back down to normal defensively. And they didn't do it, and I think they're going to get punished for it this year. Right. I, I tell you what, I do see them taking a step back. They're not going to be at the level they were last year. But I still think they're a playoff team. I mean, I think with the with the talent on that team, with Tim Howard being there for, for most, you know, knock on wood, a, a full season – uh, I, you know, I just like, I, I like what Pablo Mazzarini has done as a coach and how he's kind of evolved as a coach. Now, what's going to be interesting, John Spencer, the assistant has left. And I know that if some people looked at their success and said, you know, maybe Spencer had a big part to play in that. Now that he's gone, it's, you know, put more, more of an onus on Mazzarini and his coaching. And, and I think he's evolved as a coach. I think he's matured as a coach. I see what you're saying as far as teams that that stagnate in an off season are always a, are always in danger of falling off, and I've seen that before. I've said that before, especially with like a DC United, because I you know I feel like whenever I feel like every other year they retool and add pieces, and then the, and then they take a year where they take it easy, uh, and it's always when you when you kind of when you stop when you don't add to your roster. That that's when things kind of get you know fall apart. But I feel like they went through such a change last year. That I, I don't have as much of a problem with Colorado not revamping and retooling, and we know we we know that they they are not huge spenders in Colorado. So that, I mean, for them to go get a Gashi and to go invest in a Tim Howard, I mean that that for them was a huge investment. I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a title contender, but I do think I still think they're a playoff team, though. I I, th- I think they I think they have the DNA there to still be a playoff team. Up next in the Western Conference, a team that you love. And a team that I'm okay with, uh, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and Peter Vermees, obviously a disappointing year. Uh, a couple of years now where they really haven't had success in the playoffs. Uh, and now they've they've made some big signings this offseason. Uh, signings that you clearly like. So tell me, Paul, what is it that you like about 27 Sporting Kansas City? Well, I think that they haven't been that far off. When you look at the playoff losses... It kind of makes me laugh uh, that the, the peeps up in Portland are kind of dropping this, you know, is Sporting Kansas City that much more successful than us getting to the playoffs and losing? They don't say Sporting Kansas City know who they're talking about. When it was like a double post penalty, that was the difference between Portland winning MLS Cup and Kansas City going home. That being said, I, I think Peter Vermees is a, a very good coach and he has a, a good eye for talent. And I think he, he was kind of at a crossroads halfway through last season of, do I blow up the core of this team? and just go total rebuild? Or do I think I still have enough talent here and I keep the core and I just go and find the pieces that's going to get us over the top? And he chose the latter, and I think it was the right decision. I thought it was smart to re-sign Benny Philhaber. Uh, He's repurposing Graham Zussi into a right back. I think that'll ultimately be a successful move. Maybe not as successful as DeMarcus Beasley at left back, but I think Graham Zussi will be an above-average right back starter in this league. And then he, he knew that they needed to get better in the final third. They, they count a lot on Dom Dwyer to be the finisher, and they need to create more opportunities. And so to go get Gerso Fernandez, uh, to go get Latif Blessing, he's very young but very, very talented, quick, skillful. I saw him play in preseason. Uh, he's going to be a handful of defenders. I thought were two great moves. And then Ilya Sanchez, they really believe that he can be the difference maker in the middle of the park for them. Uh, not in a playmaking way, but in a sense of holding things down, disrupting, uh, just being an agitator. I-, I look at all of that, and I think that they make a big leap this year. And-, and I think they're up there near the top of the West, competing with, you know, more more competing with the Portland and Seattle. I think Dallas will get there, but 
you know, I, I think they, they're going to surprise and they're going to be the team that, that's kind of NYCFC of last year that, that finishes near the top that no one's expecting. Yeah, I don't know, man. I can't, can't, can't quite get on board with that. Uh, look, Peter Vermees is a great coach, right? One of the best in the league, and and they definitely have the they definitely have the kind of the the base there for a good team. Uh, and if the, if those signings come through and play at the level that that you're saying they're going to play, and that Kansas City's hoping they play, then of course they'll be right up there. But uh, I'm not sold yet. I, th- I think there's some teams that that are still ahead of them. I think they're in that second tier of teams in the West. Uh, which we're about to get to that that group starting off with a number four, and I don't know when the last time I can remember that they they were predicted to be number four in the West in the preseason or as low as number four, the LA Galaxy, and they're about to start the post Bruce Arena era, the post Bruce Arena slash Robbie Keane slash Landon Donovan slash Steven Gerrard era is uh is beginning in LA. Kurt Onolfo in charge. And uh, a lot of people have have their doubts about this team, about Kurt Anolfo, about the changes that they've made. Uh, but I still see a really talented team. Maybe not in, a, a top end contender for MLS Cup contender, but still, they, I mean, they have a very. You look at the list of players that they you can rattle off that are on this team. It's still a talented team. Uh, do you see them falling into kind of the second tier, or do you still see this as? You still see the Galaxy as Big Bad LA, one of the top teams in the league. No, I have them finishing fifth. And and the reason we haven't had them dropping like this is just because they've been so consistent for so long, right? I mean, again, we're talking about a team that, that can reload. Um, Bruce Arena has been there for a while now. They, they had the pieces uh, that made up the, the core and, and even more than just the spine of the team. Uh, and they had a very clear identity. And for the first time in a long time, that's being questioned. And, and so... We have questions about how it's all going to work. But I agree. At the end of the day, you look at their roster on paper, this is no doubt one of the most talented teams in Major League Soccer. So that, that, that still counts. That still counts for something. That's still going to make you very competitive. I think their midfield is going to be just fine. Um, you know, I'm interested to see how Alessandrini and, and Gio Dos Santos work together, who ends up being the focal point of what they do in the final third. Um, but I, I look at this team and I think they're too good to drop out of the playoff picture. And, and even depth-wise, I think maybe that's the biggest question. But for so long, they've had these young players that are waiting in the wings for an opportunity. And we've heard so much about, I mean, you could probably speak to this better than anyone in, in your knowledge of kind of the youth movement in different areas. But the Galaxy have all these young players that I think we'll, we'll get a chance to see them play bigger roles this year. And and I think they'll be able to stand up to it. Well, that's the question, right? I mean, if you look at in, through the years, Bruce Arena, while, while they've had, obviously, star-studded teams, he's always had a good bench. He's always had some veterans he could count on to come off the bench and give you good games. And uh, this year, when you look at the team, instead of it being kind of experienced guys, veterans, former All-Stars, former national team players, now it's a you look in that LA Galaxy bench, and you're looking at a very young bench a lot of guys who were on los dos you know had that usl experience and kurt Anolf was banking on his ability to get the most out of those guys he obviously knows a lot of those players when you're talking about like ari lassiter uh jose Villarreal, uh jack mcbean is back now from his loan spell uh it's a, it's gonna be really important how those guys you know how those guys help them off the bench because this is an you know they're gonna they have a lot of old, older players on this team. Ashley Cole's already injured. Jermaine Jones, we know, at his age, he's not going to play. Th- he's not going to play 34 games. So the bench is going to be really important. 
But for me, I want to see jo- I want to see how Jossie Zardes does as the guy, as the focal point. Now that Robbie Keane's gone, he is going to he has to be the goal scorer. He has to get them 15 plus goals. And that's and he hasn't had to do he hasn't had to fill that role before. So that's a big question mark. And Gio Dos Santos, maybe the biggest question, the biggest key for them, Gio Dos Santos, they need him to be at an MVP caliber level on a consistent basis because that's just who he has to be for them. And he hasn't been that for them consistently in the time that he's been in L.A. So that's for me, is that's a huge question. And I know some people will say, oh, well, maybe him and Keane didn't play well together. Now that Keane's gone, we'll see the real Gio all the time. But you know what? Throughout his entire career, Gio DeSantos has struggled to be consistent, to find good form for a whole season. And that's where, for me, I, I you know, I, I kind of have my doubts about that. You know, like, can he do it for a full season? If he can, then yeah. Uh, Gio DeSantos, that is very best for a full season. That gets LA into the into the MLS Cup contender conversation. But short of that, I think they'll have their ups and downs. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna struggle and 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 things could fall apart really quickly if some of their older guys uh can't stay healthy. Moving on, we're down to the bottom to the top three teams in the West by consensus, Paul and I. Number three, Portland Timbers, a team that I like more than you do. My vote moved them up into the top three. So I guess I'll explain myself before we get to you. Uh, Portland Timbers, they, I tell you what, they last year, uh, obviously they had their issues defensively. Uh, and this year, coming into this year, there's still some questions there as well. I get that. But for, I like the moves that they made uh, when you talk about Sebastian Blanco. Uh, and I'm hearing great things about Guzman. Uh, Tico, as you know, uh, a, a great piece for the midfield that I think they needed. I think I, I, the, when I look at that attack and I look at Adi, Blanco, Valeri, Nagby, uh, I mean, they're they're going to be tough, tough, tough to stop. And I think it really hurt them last year that Lucas Milano just didn't have it. He just didn't bring it. And Sebastian Blanco is a much more established player than, than Milano was. Yeah, I think there's a lot less concern about Blanco bringing what he, he's supposed to bring. Blanco is going to be a very, very good player in this league. So I think for me, that attack is going to be something else. There's still questions defensively. They still need to go get a center back now that Nat Borchers has retired. Um, they have lower, I mean, I think Lawrence Olam is going to be a stopgap there. You have Amobi Kugo is another possibility. So there's still some questions there. They're probably going to go sign a center back. But I love that attack. And I think Caleb Porter, I think, I'll tell you what, I think Caleb Porter is going to have them back in the conversation, not just to get in the playoffs. I have them in the playoffs. But I think they could absolutely be back in an MLS Cup conversation. I know not everyone sees that, but I see that. What do you see for the Timbers? Yeah, man, I had them right there. I have them at number four. I, I agree with everything you said. I, you know, I, again, you know, you're going to find me falling back on the Tico thing. But Guzman, I agree with you. He's a big piece in that midfield. Um, a very established. I actually talked to uh, Paolo Wanchop about the moves, all the moves from Saprissa to MLS, and this was a guy he felt like. He, this was the leader of that Saprissa team that won the league, um, and he thought that he would add a ton to that team in just his understanding as a veteran uh, of how to kind of keep a team together, how to be uh, smart in midfield. He felt he ran the midfield for Saprissa. So I think that's a really important piece you add in there. And then, obviously, the wing was a huge issue. We talked about it last year that I, Milano just hadn't shown anything in they were really needing him to step up, and it, it never happened. He just he didn't fit in. He didn't change the game enough. He didn't finish when he had opportunities. 
and you go and you, you spend the type of money that they spent on Blanco, you bring him in, and, and if he is the guy, then absolutely, it puts them over the top. I mean, Adi has proven to be one of the top goal scorers in this league. We know what Nagby can do. I think he'll have a little bit more comfortable, comfort and freedom coming in from that left wing. And I, I'm a huge fan of Valeri. Um, I think he's consistently underrated uh, when we're talking about some of the top playmakers in the league. So, you know, I have them right there as well. You know, my, my sporting Kansas City dark horse thing pushed them down from three to four. Um, but I, I agree that, you know, they're going to be a very, very solid team. Once they sign that center back, that's a big deal. And the sooner they get that center back integrated, uh, the better, because that that's a huge hole in that Borcher size hole there. But, um, hey, if this team comes together the way it can, especially with those pieces in the final third, once they get in the playoffs, there's no doubt uh, with the home field advantage that they enjoy that, that they can try to make another run to MLS Cup. We're down to our last two teams, or top two teams in the West. Number two, the reigning, defending MLS Cup champion, Seattle Sounders, a team that just really put it together late in the year. After Siggy Schmidt was let go, Brian Schmetzer took over, Nicholas Ladero arrived, Roman Torres got healthy, and it all came together for them. Uh, what do you see in year two of the Schmetzer-Ladero uh, di- dynasty they're trying to build here? Do you, do you see them being right in the MLS Cup conversation again. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that you know I thought didn't get uh, weaker. You know, I, the pieces they, that they lost, I thought they brought in the right guys to fill in. I mean, Harry Ship, no matter how split the league is on him, he, he's somebody who can come off the bench and help. Same with Svensson coming off the bench and helping. We're already seeing his versatility. I think he's going to plug in at right back for the start of the season. So, you know, I, I thought depth-wise they're going to be just fine. Um, and, and as long as Alonso can can play somewhat to uh, a high level again, the way he did last year, um, the midfield behind that front three is going to be great. I'm I'm very interested, especially, and this to me is is the key thing for Seattle. Dempsey, how healthy is he, and how productive is he? When we saw him play with Ladero last year before he went out, he was very very good. I don't remember what the numbers were, but he scored a ton of goals in those games. If he's back and at the level we remember of the Clint Dempsey that we know, uh, I think they're absolutely where we have them, a top two team in the West. If Dempsey struggles to stay fit or you know has to get shut down at any point, then I think you see a few more questions about Seattle. But they have that open DP spot. We'll see how they fill it. I mean, for me, that's got to be the question, right? It, it, it's going to end up being around Dempsey, at least in the final third. Right. I mean, I, I'm curious to see. I want to see... Dempsey and Ladero together, uh, see see what magic they can work, and I want to see Jordan Morris in year two. I want to see the the continued improvement, uh, the mat- the maturity. I mean, we saw it even toward the end of the year that that he was you know you could see that he had learned and he was get, becoming a smarter player. He still has his flaws, right? He still has his things that he needs to work on. But I really liked his growth from the begin very beginning of the year to the, to the end of the year, the playoff run. Uh, and I think this going into this year already, when you hear him already talking about how you know when he started last year, he he was nervous, but now he's confident and and and, and we want, winning a title as a rookie. I mean, that's got to do a lot for your confidence, right? His last two years have been NCAA title, MLS Cup. He's got to be feeling pretty good about himself. Uh, so if he comes in and he lights it up from the very beginning, uh, I mean that's going to be huge for them because he's going to have yeah he's going to have a big role to play. 
because he, you know, he with Dempsey behind him and, and Ladero working on the on the on the right. I mean, he's going to have service. And the question is, can he improve the finishing? Because you know, he was definitely among the league leaders in in, in blown chances in 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 missing high level chances. If he can make more of those chances, he's going to get the chances again this year. He needs to put those away. Uh, and that's going to keep them right in the conversation for, for for an MLS Cup. Everything else is there. Defensively, they're solid. Goalkeeper, obviously, Stefan Fry is great. So I think everything else is there. Now, and, and and as you said, Alonso is huge for them because they just he they could almost anyone else they could do without. If, if anything happens to him, they're in a lot of trouble because they just they're just they just don't have uh, anyone like him. So number one in the West, I think everyone has number one in the West. Uh, FC Dallas. Uh, Supporter Shield winners. Obviously, they lost more Mauro Diaz at the end of the regular season, which put a huge dent in their playoff chances, their MLS Cup chances. But they're they're back this year. Mauro Diaz won't be back for for a while. They made some really good signings in the off season uh, to 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 revamp to to bolster that attack. Christian Coleman, a striker that they've been waiting for, that they've been wanting for so long now, is there. They've spent the money. Uh, multi-million dollar transfer to, to bring him in and they the, all the pieces are there man I, they they look like a team that could take every trophy there is to take and they took two of them last year they could have all three this year what what what, what do you what's the what's the ceiling for you on this fc dallas team Ooh, the ceiling is is a treble and a Concacaf champions league i mean they can win it all you look up and down this team they are just stacked and for me, the one thing that'll probably or possibly keep them from winning the supporter shield is the fact that Mauro Diaz doesn't come back till midway through the season. You know, once he's back, it's going to take time to integrate him in. You know, can Javi Morales be substantial enough in that role to, to let them seem roll until he's back? Probably. But that to me is the one question mark looking at this team. But I love their their starting lineup. I love their depth. I think some of these younger players that they brought into the team have looked fantastic with their early opportunities, including Jesus Ferreira, uh, you know, a second-generation MLSer. Uh, he's looked fantastic, at least on the high. I mean, everyone looks good on highlights, but with what they've done in pre, what they did in preseason down in Argentina, um, and obviously for me, Coleman was the big signing, right? I mean, they needed a guy that could be an, a high-tier upper-end MLS finisher, and they they went and spent the money to get one. So. This it, it, you can't look at this team and tell me that they are not the favorite in the West. Um, there is just not a really clear weakness, and and you know, I mean, we could start a goalkeeper and talk about everything that's good about this team all the way through, um, and, and maybe that's maybe that's the biggest question mark is goalkeeper. Not mentioning it, but I mean, this is a this is a really really good team. Right. No, I mean, some of the move when you look at some of the pickups that they made. I mean, a player like Hernan Grana, the uh, former Columbus Crew. Right back. I mean, for those who don't remember, I mean, he, he so he was with the crew uh, for half, half a season, I want to say, and then he went back to Argentina. But when he was here, he was very good. And now they go bring him in after losing a Zach Lloyd. I mean, that's a nice move for them. They go get a Javier Morales. I mean, he's you know he's not chopped liver to f- help fill in what while Mar Diaz is out. I mean, that's a nice pickup. And then you have a player like Ro- Roland Lama who. I don't know. I'm probably totally not pronouncing that right. But Roland Lama to help kind of offset the the the, the loss of Fabian Castillo, that speed wanting to have that speedy presence on the left. If he's as good as advertised, and it sounds like he's had a really good preseason, 
I mean, I agree with you. I mean, there's not much. You you look at that lineup, and, and there's no weaknesses there. And I really want to see how that defense comes together. Uh, Walker's the, the the Hedges Zimmerman tandem for me the best in the league. And I think uh, I mean I think I think Zimmerman. I thought Zimmerman was amazing last year, and I think this this could be a breakout year for him where he takes it up a notch to where he's not just like Robin to Hedges Batman, but where he is actually on his own one of the best defenders in the league, maybe even the maybe developing into the best defender in the league. Goalkeeper, you know, Chris Seitz is solid. I think he's okay. I don't think that's a question. Just, you know, what's up with Jesse Gonzalez? Is he, is he, I remember the hype was on him a year ago, right? And now he's kind of just fallen by, you know, fallen in the background. Um, but they have everything, man. They have everything. And, and if Diaz can come back and, and be anywhere close to what he can at his best at the end of the year, I mean, it's all there for them. Winning at winning every trophy is a little much because that's just tough to do. I mean, I, I I have him as an underdog in the Champions League this go around just because of the scheduling and everything and and where they are in their season. But it could, I think this is this could definitely be the year where they finally win that MLS Cup. We didn't even mention the guy that everyone is hyping preseason as potentially going to become the best American in MLS. That's how good Dallas is. Kellen Acosta is over there. Yeah, it's funny. Everyone is on the on the hype train, man. I didn't even realize. I thought I I thought I had my I had my seat early on in the hype, and then like and then we did so we did a survey for Gold.com. We surveyed uh, GMs, technical directors, and sporting directors around the league, and he and he won the, the uh, when one of the questions we asked was, um, "Who do you see like breakout player this year?" And, and Kellen Acosta. So everyone's on board. Obviously, he looked great in the first, in the in the um, Concacaf Champions League. Uh, quarterfinal for them, so and so he he's settled in there now. He's got his position. They're not moving him all over. He's settling in. He's settled in in the midfield role. Now we've heard great things about him for a long time, and it seems like this he's definitely putting it all together now, and he could have an amazing year. So uh, we're looking at here. Sorry, right, so we're down. We're all the way eleven to one, uh, and now we're gonna we're gonna get into our end of year, our, our beginning of the year preseason awards predictions where we pretty much throw darts at a board we give you we, we give you our, we give you our picks for who we see winning the awards and who how we kind of see uh the best of the best in mls for 2017 uh and and we're going to start off with mvp we got to start with the big actually you know what i'm gonna start with mvp i'll start with something else how about newcomer of the year uh paul who is your pick for newcomer of the year I'm going to go with uh, Romain Alessandrini out in L.A. Uh, I think he's going to end up playing a really big role for the Galaxy. He's going to have the numbers to back it up. Um, there are a lot of good candidates this Don't year. Don't start naming them all because leave, me no, some, no, leave no, a little no. meat on the bone there. Come on. Because of targeted <laughs> allocation money, there's a lot of, of um, players who are coming in who are going to be important players, right, in the team. But for me, he when you look at – teams that are established already where you're coming into a, a talented team and can be kind of one of the focal points. He's somebody I think that is going to play a big role for that Galaxy team, and and that'll have him in the conversation the same way Von Dom was in the conversation for the Galaxy last year. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's look, he's a good player, right? No, no doubt about it. Look at his pedigree. I'm just not as sold on him being just a dominant player as as, as some people. And he, and, and he definitely has a supporting cast there to get the most out of him. So, we'll, but we'll see. But my pick for newcomer of the year, Christian Coleman, FC Dallas. Now, that's not to say he. I think he's the best of the newcomers, but I do think he will have the like the the best season because 
in on that FC Dallas team, him being the focal point, the target striker, the the receiver of all this service that's going to come his way. I mean, he's not going to lack for chances, and I think we've seen from him that he he can definitely finish chances. This is a guy I, I can definitely see being a fifteen to twenty goal guy, and if he does that on a on a tight, multiple trophy winning Dallas team, it's going to be hard to to deny him uh, newcomer of the year. Uh, moving on, goalkeeper of the year. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna go with the chalk again. Andre Blake. I'm gonna give it to him again just because he's good. He's gonna be even better this year. Um, who do you have as goalkeeper of the year? Despite the fact that I don't have them in the playoffs, I think that the defensive issues, not issues, they're very good in deep defensively, but the leader of that defense is Tim Howard. Uh, you want to talk about going chalk. I think Tim Howard is going to come back healthy. He's going to have a big year. He's going to keep his team in uh, in games. And he's Tim Howard, so he's going to get some votes based on that as well, and it's going to put him over um, – you know, Andre Blake, in my mind, it's Andre Blake and Bill Hamid is the best goalkeepers in Major League Soccer. But I think Tim Howard takes the award. Bill Hamid, man, he needs to stay healthy and then he can win an award. I mean, man, I, you love him as a player, but you just feel feel for him in the injury issues. I mean, he just can't stay healthy. Uh, it's unfortunate. And it's interesting. You mentioned Tim Howard goalke- for goalkeeper of the year. I still remember the year, I want to say it was 2002, when he was named to best 11. But he didn't win goalkeeper of the year. That was a, that was that was pretty hilarious. Uh, I think it was Joe Cannon who won goalkeeper of the year, and uh, and then he and but Tim Howard made best eleven. It was very weird. It was very, I, I still don't understand how that happened, but that happened fifteen years ago. MLS one There you go. Uh, let's see. Moving on now to rookie of the year. Uh, you know, last year was a, it was pretty easy when you had Jordan Morris sitting there as a pretty safe pick. Uh, this time around, it's a little tougher. I don't, I don't know if there's any, uh, you know, there's a couple of candidates, but no one who's like a runaway pick like Morris was. Who is your pick, rookie of the year? No, you, you can, you can. I think we'll be on the same page. This is actually a really tough year because I look at the top of the draft and there's no one that's got a clear cut starting job in the league. And so I cast my eyes over to the homegrown side and I landed on Ian Harks with DC United. I think he's going to end up starting a lot of games for them. Uh, he's a quality player. He is a very mature player for uh, considering the fact that he's going to be in his first professional season. Uh, so when I looked at the landscape of who's starting and who's not, I think Ian's going to end up being the maybe one of the only really solid choices on the board. Uh, you know what? Here's my thing. So like, I know I'm going to get killed, but I you know Ian Hart is a good player. I'm not saying he's not. He had a very good senior year, uh, very good senior year, excellent, won Herman Award. But I'm just not sold on him coming in into year one as a midfielder, central midfielder in MLS, and and being a, a consistent difference maker. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, will he start the beginning of the year? Possibly. Uh, is he going to be a you know start thirty game? No, I, I think you know it, it, it. I could see him having a year like Subasa Endo, where he starts well, get gets in the lineup uh, for some games early on, but eventually, I just think the I just think. In when you're talking in the midfield, it's tough. It's tough for a rookie to just kind of cope with and adapt to that grind. And I think that's why I, I think it's tough. I I think Harks can end up having a good career, but I just I just feel like the hype of his co- of his senior of his senior Wake Forest has kind of blinded some people into the idea. This isn't a guy who was do- like a dominant player in college for four years. He had a really great senior year. But the year before that, he was okay. 
And before that, he was kind of whatever. Like, so I think people need to take it down a notch when it comes to the whole Ian Harks thing, especially at least for the first year. Um, for me, I want to pick Nick Lima, San Jose right back. He's going to probably start. He's most likely starting for them. He could kind of be Keegan Rosenberry 2.0. But we all know defenders just don't get love for Rookie of the Year. It's just, I mean, it, generally speaking, it just doesn't happen. Um, so I'm going to go with, and, uh, you know, Adrian Heath, I'm going to blame him for me making this way. Abu Dunlady, I think he's a guy who, with Adrian Heath coaching him, I think he I think he can get in that lineup, and I think he can score some goals. Playing in front of that midfield, uh, I, I think he's someone who could really blossom, and I and I, and he's going to be my pick. I'm not saying he's going to have a Kyle Aaron type 17 goal season, but I, I can see him being a rookie of the year in a year where, like you said, like there's more long term projects here. A guy like a Miles Robinson, great, he's going to be great down the road. Jonathan Lewis is going to be great down the road. But in terms of this year, I'm, I'm going to go with Abu Dhabi. Uh, next up for awards, we have Defender of the Year. Matt Hedges won it last year. Who do you have it winning this year? See, this was tough. I, you know, I, I didn't want to go picking Hedges like or Zimmerman. I, I think they're the two most likely candidates. It always is helpful, by the way, when you play next to another really good center back because then all of your positive attributes really come out. I picked Roman Torres to be a little bit different. I think this award will end up in Dallas, uh, but I was looking around the league trying to find a candidate outside of Dallas, and and I landed on the charismatic physical defender from Panama up in Seattle on a very good Seattle team that's going to contend to be atop the West. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to go with Walker Zimmerman. Uh, for my, I'd say, and, and this might be a little blasphemy, but I actually thought, and this is one of those awards, this is the thing, I think Coach of the Year and Defender of the Year are two awards where the second, like, the, like, I feel like you get, if you have a great year one year, I feel like you get more credit for it the next year. So I think for me, I actually thought Hedges should have been Defender of the Year in 2015. And I thought Zimmerman should have been Defender of the Year in 2016. Uh, but Hedges, again, I feel like he got the bump for the year before and for having a great 2016. I think Zimmerman is going to put it all together, get the credit for last year, and kill it this year. He's my pick for, for Defender of the Year. I just really think he's putting it all together, gaining that confidence. The national team exposure has to help uh, being in that camp and doing well in the camp, getting his first cap, killing it in his first cap. Uh, so I think it, it's all there for him to just have that increased confidence. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's I, I think you're going to see a guy who's going to uh, not not say he's going to move past Matt Hedges, but I just think he's a guy who's really going to impress this year. And he get, and he also gives you those goals as well. He gives you those goals on set pieces. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, next up, Coach of the Year, and there's definitely a lot of candidates there for that this year. I feel like this is as good a field, uh, this is as good a year as any, as tough a year as any to try to pick a coach. Who do you have being Coach of the Year this year? Yeah, I agree. It's a tough one. Um, I went back and looked at kind of my predictions, and and so the teams that I think are the the two surprise or one surprise team in the West, I think I think Peter Vermees could be up there if they finish as high as I think that they can finish, then it'll be Vermees. But kind of going on the momentum idea that you're talking about with Defensive Player of the Year, I think Patrick Vieira, uh, if, if NYCFC has another successful season in the East, and I think that they will, I think Patrick Vieira will get the nod. He, he was a candidate that was up there as being, I think, well-deserving last year. Uh, you know, obviously he didn't get the award. So 
I'll, I'll go with Vieira. I'll lean with that kind of momentum thing versus Peter Vermees, who's been around a long time. Even if they have a very good year, I could see Vieira finishing ahead of him. Right. No, I am. I mean, I, I agree. I thought, I thought Vieira was a very good possibility last year. And, uh, you know, nothing is Pereira. Pereira. Obviously, they did a great job. But, you know, Pereira, that was more like a body of work uh, coach of the year award for Oscar Pereira. When, when you look at the turnaround Vieira had with NYC in terms of just total points, that, that the difference is ridiculous. Uh, my pick is is not someone who, is some it's not someone who's turning a bad team around, but I just again I think he's going to get credit for last year for what he did last year, and for having a good year this year. Greg Vanny, I think is he's an underrated. I think he's an underrated coach. I think I don't think he gets. I think everyone thinks oh you got Javinko you're going to win games you're going to. But I really think if you watch them and I know you do, um, but when anyone that watches them, I mean I think they're you see they're a well coached team. They're a team that tries different things. He's not afraid to try different systems, uh, and he has shown to be able to succeed with multiple systems, kind of like Patrick Vieira. And and I think, you know, he I really feel like last year he showed a lot of that, and I think we're going to see more of that this year as TFC is an even, I think, an even deeper team this year. So I think they're going to put it together. And, I mean, I have him, you know, I have him winning the whole, you know, I have him at top in the East, and, I th- and he's going to be my pick for Coach of the Year. Uh, let's see what's left. we got a couple more. Eh. MVP, most valuable player, uh, David Villa won out last year. I know people were up in arms, especially in Canada, that Giovinco wasn't a finalist. Um, but I say I think I think that's going to spur on Giovinco, and I think he's going to win a second in three years. I think he's going to destroy people this year. Giovinco is my pick. I know it's a boring pick, but I just I just can't not pick him. Who do you have winning MVP? Move over, Precky. Because there's another guy that's going to have two MVP trophies in his cabinet. I agree 100% with you. Jovinko is going to dominate the league. And I think, like a lot of athletes, he is well aware that he wasn't a finalist. And not just that he wasn't a finalist, but that it was the players' vote that kept him out of the top three. That's going to stick with him, and he is going to destroy teams this year. (laughs) It's possible. I mean, no, he's, yeah, he's, he's so good. Um, I mean, look, and I, full disclosure, I, I'm, I'm on record as saying I had no problem with him not being a finalist just because he missed the, the stretch run, the most important part of the regular season, and that cost him, that hurt him. And I and I seem to remember the beginning of the year when he wasn't at his best. Uh, he, there, he had a stretch in the beginning, of, in like in the first third of the season where, yeah, he wasn't at his best. And I, I watch, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips and David Villa and those guys, I mean, they were all, they were all very deserving. It was, it was a tough year. It was a tough year. But yeah, we both go with David Villa. One, the last one, similar to that, and I guess we both, we might have the same answer for this, Golden Boot. Who is going to score the most goals in 2017? Who do you got? I mean, I, I got the same guy, Jovinko. I think that's what's going to take him to the top. He's going to, I think he's going to best his numbers both in goals and assists from 2015. Uh, that's that's a big prediction. I, I know people look at Josie and say, you know, Josie takes goals away. Uh, I just think that uh, Toronto is going to be by far and away the best team in the East, and and those numbers aren't aren't going to be affected at all. But I I actually think this is a, a, a wide open race. I think there are a lot of good candidates this year. Uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, I mean, whether a guy like Coleman, a guy like Fernando Adi, uh, not my pick, but he's definitely in the conversation. My pick is Mr. David Villa. The reigning MLS, MLS MVP, when you look at NYCFC, the attack is, I think, going to be even better this year. When you look at Maxi Morales, Rodney Wallace, big signing there, Jack Harrison, a year older. Uh, 
I mean, I, I he's gonna he's not gonna struggle for chances. I think he's gonna have even more chances this year, uh, and I think he's gonna score more goals this year. He won't. I don't think he'll win MVP because I think Javinko's gonna have like. I think he's gonna do like twenty twenty. He's gonna like twenty goals, twenty something crazy like that. But I think V is gonna put together a huge number on a very good NYCFC attack. Uh, now we're gonna get into the last predictions for us. Um, actually, you know what? A little a little curveball here before we get into our MLS Cup prediction. Dark horse contender, uh, and I think you kind of you kind of alluded to that uh, before. But who's the team that did make the playoffs last year that you see? doing really well this year uh you know this this is a good this is a good one because obviously when it comes to the west the team i have that's in that wasn't in last year is is vancouver um but for me the dark horse contender that missed the playoffs and has a chance to win mls cup like legitimately miss mls cup win mls cup is portland with everything they've added uh the fact that they had a down year um i i think when i look at those teams you know, I also think Columbus is going to have. I'm gonna. I always oh, die yeah. Columbus on this. Show. They're going to have a much better season as well. But I think Columbus uh, and Vancouver are are a notch below where Portland is. And, and so for me, it's got to be Portland. How about you? I agree. Uh, uh, Portland's Portland's the team. I think they're going to turn it around. I know there's rumblings about Columbus and that they're they're going to turn it around this year. They've addressed some of their defensive issues. Um, their attack should be better. It was a, it was a strange one, man. I mean, we it, I, you know looking like you said looking back at last year, I had the crew winning the supporters' shield, and obviously I was off on that one. Um, but it, when you looked at at the year before, and I know the whole Kai Kamara soap opera really changed, really messed things up there. But uh, injuries hurt them as well. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I see them completely turning it around. But but Portland, if they get if they if they get a center back of of any consequence, if they get somebody who's you know. Uh, whether it's with Tam or you know an international caliber center back, then they are absolutely for me an MLS Cup contender. And I and Caleb Porter, uh, you know, he's a guy who he when he's when he coming off a bad year. I mean, I think he's a guy who is. We saw what happened the last time Portland had had a disappointing year. They they won the MLS Cup the next year. I think I think we could see that again. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, MLS Cup final prediction. Uh, who we're gonna each give us give our final and and our winner. Who do you have in the final and who do you have raising the MLS Cup in December? This is tough because I hate when I go chalk, but I look at Dallas and I could again I could see it more easily for them to lose the supporter shield. An open cup this year, I don't think they're going to lose MLS Cup. I think getting Diaz back late in the year, he's going to be fresh in the playoffs. They're going to be at their best at that point in time. So I've got Dallas coming out of the West. And I just think Toronto is better than everyone else in the East. The only team I really think will knock Toronto out of the playoffs is NYCFC. Uh, I just, I'm going to go with Toronto and I'm going to go with Toronto winning MLS Cup a year after losing it uh, and being the better team in MLS Cup and losing it. So I'm going totally chalk here, uh, but with, with TFC lifting the tr- Did they publish my picks already? Because I feel like you're making my picks, man. I, t- I feel like you're taking my picks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, you know what? Exact- we're on the same exact page. I have Toronto in the East. I have NYCFC as their biggest contender. Uh, but I think Toronto, just with what they have, with what they've added, uh, 
and now with the momentum and and the added the the fan base is rejuvenated. BMO 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 Field is going to be a really tough place to play now. They're going to start having big crowds. They're going to get to the final. FC Dallas is going to get to the final, and we're going to hopefully knock on wood have a better final than we had last year. Uh, and I, and I think Toronto I think Toronto wins it, man. And the reason I have Toronto over Dallas Dallas you could say for for supporter shield, but I mean I I just think Toronto with when you have Javinko, Altador, Bradley. I think those guys in that in a final, uh, I think where Dallas is very good, they haven't been in a, they haven't played in they haven't even, they haven't played in an MLS Cup, let alone you know let alone won one. And I just think that experience that this will be the next step for Dallas. Get to the final, lose, and then the next year, then the, then I think they can win. But I think Toronto, I think it's all there for them to win the whole thing, and I, that's my pick, Toronto FC. MLS Cup champions. They'll be the first Canadian MLS Cup champions um, in the history of the league. So that's it, man. That's our picks, and we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll we'll come back ten months from now and, and laugh laugh at how wrong we are. That's just that's just how it goes. I'm sure there'll be somebody that's not even in the league yet. That's yeah. newcomer of the year when Zlatan shows up in July and scores twenty goals in two months. Uh, you know that'll totally throw off all. Because look, Nicholas Ladero, the newcomer of the year. He wasn't even in the league. We we didn't even know he wasn't even in the ra- on our radar, and he ends up winning newcomer of the year. So it's always hard to tell. It's going to be crazy when Chicharito comes in and wins <laughs> the year, you know, and takes it, Orlando City to an MLS Cup. Well, what's funny is he'll Chicharito will show up. He'll score three goals, and he'll still win newcomer of the year just because of the voting, just because <laughs> the you know the block the the Latino voting block will absolutely push him over the top. Um, yeah, so we'll see, man. And that's the thing, too, that makes it tough about these picks. These picks are are based on right now, not based on, you know, and so many things happen, whether it's injuries uh, or, or signings or new, or new signings. I mean, if, if if Portland, you know, goes and gets freaking, you know, Vincent Company or somebody, not that he would stay healthy in Portland, but uh, but anyway. But, yeah, you never know. So we'll see. But uh, I think that's it, man. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun year. 22-team league, man. I got to – I, I, and I'm gonna be the old man here, but I mean, I remember when it was a ten-team league, and and when doing and when doing like the prep work for the season preview stuff was not like it. It's like unbelievable, man. Twenty-two teams. You keep you keep going through it all, and you're like, man, this league is huge, and it's only gonna get bigger. I don't even want to imagine like twenty-eight teams. Like I, I can't. I don't know. How, look, and and that's the, I don't know how the NFL people do it. Right, and I'm sure they don't. Uh, you don't have many NFL people who are trying to do previews and stuff on every single team, but whatever. It's a lot of teams, but it's fun, man. It's fun. I think this is going to be a fun year. Bro, by the time they have 28 teams in the league, you need to have like a an editor in chief throne that you're sitting in where you don't have to write every team. That's you. that's the hope, man. That's the hope, and hopefully you're on you're 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 my uh, you're my deep you're one of my DPs, man. So I can I can take it easy, man. That's that's the plan. So I I gotta. I got to get a few more gray hairs, man. I still, I still got a few more years in me. I still got a few more years in me. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's gonna be so it's the DP, the DP salary, not and not like the ten team MLS DP. Well, actually, mm-hmm. that's the Beckham deal. I'm not. I'm hey, some of those guys made pretty good money, man. Back I'm when, on that compost. I need the Ferrari. But that's what I was gonna say. Back when they gave cars and stuff instead of like you know they treated they treated players like 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 boxers or something. They just throw a car at them and they'd be happy. But uh, but yeah, no, man, this is a good this is a good year. What 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 um, what storyline excites you the most going into this year? 
I think it's got to be Atlanta United because they're such a wild card. They look so good on paper, but expansion teams always struggle. So which of those, which of the historic thing is going to win out? Is it a team that looks very balanced, has really high-end players with a lot of money on the top end, uh, and good MLS veterans? Is that going to win out? Or is the history of how hard it is to build a team from scratch and to win in year one going to win out? I, I, I think that they're going to be a playoff team, but... I could see it going the complete opposite way, and that's just so intriguing to me. Right. Yeah, no, Atlanta's definitely going to be an interesting interesting team to follow. I mean, not only on the field, but off the field, man, they, they have such great support in Atlanta. Like, in terms of, the, like, this, I don't, I feel like a lot of people are just now realizing that Atlanta is a huge soccer city. And, and I mean, I, I've known it for years, you know, running SBI, and I'd always see the numbers. All these people from Atlanta read SBI why and now now you see it now now they, they, they're coming out they're going to support this team uh but for me i got to say the big storyline or or what i'm very excited to see is this 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 next crop of of dps slash tam playmaker types uh coming into the league i mean you know we we got so used to the, uh the bigger name like Tyrion Reed, Drogba, Gerard and those types but now you're getting younger players coming in younger Miguel you know the Almirones the Blancos Coleman Yangel Herrera NYCFC a teenager who 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 Man City bought for what three million dollars like those kind of players coming into the league and and just kind of really kind of bringing in a breath of fresh air and if if those and if that crop of players thrives I I just really feel like it'll do as much or if or not more than it would to bring in those kind of known, like you know, n- name brand type, play- like the Wayne Rooney type players, and, and I'm I'm excited to see that because I, I think that I think the league needs that. I think the league needs more players that are that make their name in MLS and 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 not look Blanco, a guy like Sebastian Blanco, he does he he has a name somewhat already, but in terms of American soccer fans, I want I, w- I want more players that that American soccer fans discover by watching MLS. No one's discovering David Villa by watching him. I mean, it's maybe some, maybe a few, but people know who David Villa is. But I think this year with guys like Almiron, Coleman, Maxi, even Maxi Morales, like the average American soccer fan doesn't know who Maxi Morales is, but he's going to come here. He's going to go to Yankee Stadium. He's going to light it up. That's what I'm excited to see. And I think teams have done a really good job of adding talent across the board and spending that money wisely. Uh, so we'll see, man. Hopefully it, it leads to, to, to more attacking soccer. Um, so Paul, I got to ask you, uh, what, what, what did you do with your last days of freedom before MLS season, uh, gets underway? Cause I, I don't know if people realize that th- for, for Paul and I, we are locked in now, now through did like Christmas, like we're pretty much locked in until uh, mid December, uh, between MLS national team and all that. Uh, we, we, no daylight until then. And we're not complaining cause Hey, our jobs beat real work. We love our jobs, but. What'd you do in your last days of freedom? What would what, you do? Yeah, I mean, the big thing every year, this is what I do. I mean, we're, uh, when I get off this call, I'm going to go shower and get ready. I'm taking my wife out to a really fancy, too expensive for my salary dinner. <laughs> nice. That's basically like, hey, babe, I'll see you on the other side, you know? Because like you said, it, it's uh, it's over pretty much after <laughs> this through Christmas every weekend. Uh, you know, you're you're either out at a stadium or in front of a TV or doing an interview or whatever. 
uh, which is like you said. I mean, we're so blessed to work in soccer and and to love what we do. But that's my that's my little uh, annual tradition is like a nice dinner, a nice bottle of wine, and and just uh, make sure she uh, she she sees my smiling face one more time uh, without. Uh, Without the phone buzzing constantly, hopefully. <laughs> before before your face turns into that picture we saw on Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Such a romantic. Such a well. You know, you you're still technically. Has it been a year? You're still technically a newlywed, right? Or, not, or am I? Yeah, okay? it's been, it's been uh, a little over a year, but I, you know, I think it still counts. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I know for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I I did my family getaway this past weekend. We we got away with the kids and. Um, I mean, I've been married a long time, so yeah, I, I, it wasn't. I wouldn't call it super romantic, but you know, we had we had a good time with the kids, um, just to get away a little bit, and uh, and of course, I'm still laying in bed watching Barcelona on my play on my phone, so I I, I wasn't completely detached from soccer, but um, it's going to be a fun year, man. We we I mean, between MLS, World Cup qualifying, Gold Cup, I mean, so much to so much to get into, and for and and just to wrap things up, yes, folks, hopefully the SBI show is back, and I am committed. To keeping it back, and we will be having Paul on as long as he, 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 you know, when he wants, if he's okay with it. Because I mean, he's a TV star now, so he's in, he's a lot tougher to get a hold of now, um, you know, than he was before. So it's it's you know, we'll work we'll, we'll work that out. Why I'm better on podcast than I am on TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. You, go on. Come on, you're a good looking guy, man. Come on. Yeah, you, you you haven't been married that long. You got to get your you got to get your ten years in before, when, when, as the the wife leeches all the handsomeness out of you. That that's how it works. But uh, but anyway, but yeah, man. So it's you know it'll be fun. We'll get we'll, we'll get back on here uh, regularly, and uh, you know bring bring you our insights and observations, and and that's it. And 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 for those of you who don't already, make sure you follow Paul on Twitter at at Paul Tenorio, and also read all his stuff over at uh for that website I won't name. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, for at four four two, uh, and and that's it, man. And and, and once again, as always, check me out on Goal.com. And follow me on at Soccer Bibis. And that's all for now. For Paul Tenorio, I'm Ivan Scolarset. This is the SBI Show.